And so our thrust this month has been for us to strip away all the stuff we do and truly look at really where does that come from? What is the motive behind what we are? Are we really a follower of God or are we just a fan? We come to the stadium called church every Sunday and we just cheer God on. Last week we looked at the greatest invitation that Christ made available for every one of us. Look what it says in Luke 9 verse 23. A great invitation. Jesus said to them all. I love that. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Look at the first part. If anyone If anyone, last week we discovered that his invitation includes everyone. None is excluded. Come as you are, is how he says that. There's no list of pre-qualified requirements. You've got to have this in place and you've got to have that. God says, no, my, my invitation is, would you just come as you are? But then we discovered that there's a desire then to what? To come after him. It's literally pursuing after God. It's literally a passionate pursuit. We talked last week about remembering our first love and and just the the depths and the heights. And there was nothing that we would not do to be with that person, to talk with that person, just to love that person. But then we asked the question, what about your crazy love story with God? Do you have a crazy love story with him like that? Is your relationship with God active, up to date? Are you in a true relationship with him? So last week we covered some great ground and today we're going to continue the series, the, the great invitation, fan or follower. But here's the question today. What's your decision? Because at the end of a message like this, a decision has to be made. And what is going to be your decision today? We're going to look at the last two parts of the great invitation, and that is this, to deny yourself. Say with me, total surrender. That's what it means to deny yourself, to live in total surrender. Then to take up your cross, and not just to take up your cross, but to take up your cross daily. Not just to give your life to Christ one day, and then just go out and live whichever what way you want. But it's a daily walk that we're going to daily live for God. And I realize again today, there's going to be some things that are going to be tough in what's going to be said today. But you know what? That's the gospel message in its reality. It's a tough message. For what reason? Because it what? It separates, if you want to put it this way, the men and from the boys. You can't be weak and live for God. Come on, it takes stamina, it takes guts. It, it takes a lot of people look at Christianity and say, oh, that's just for people who have problems. 
No, no, it is for the people who have problems, but that's people who have turned on to the answer. And that's Jesus Christ. Oh, that's just for weak people. That's just for people who don't have jobs. That's just for people. No, the gospel message is a great message for the whosoever. But there's some tough stuff. This maybe isn't going to be a seeker-friendly message. But it's going to be a required-to-follow message. It's amazing when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, that's the Gospels from the Word of God. They depict, they present, they display the story, the life of Jesus when he lived on this earth. And it's amazing when you would read, there were so many people that hung on every word that Jesus said. They couldn't get enough of him. They loved it. They followed him. They went wherever to see Jesus. They would stay for days listening to him to teach. But there there was many others that hated him. There was many that said, how dare you come and say that? That was the religious leaders were the ones who spearheaded that. Why? Because they had made the law of God something comfortable for them to live in. They had made it something that they could gain from. And Jesus comes in and he sets it all on edge. And he turns around and presents to them the truth of God's word. And it came by much opposition. In fact, the opposition was so great that they ended up crucifying Jesus because of the message. A great message, but a hard message. A great message, but a message of denial, surrender, giving to God. So deny yourself. Think about that. Deny yourself. The invitation that Jesus gives to every one of us. If you want to come after me, you must deny yourself. There has to be total surrender. That's not much amen and stuff right there. Come on, that's kind of tough stuff to amen right there, you know. That's not really amen and material, but it's life-changing material. I want to read something from this book, Not a Fan. And, and, and you know, I had to laugh because it, it, this wasn't exactly me, but it is exactly me. So I'm just going to share that for you today. And I know you're going to feel exactly the same way. I was at the gym last summer on one of the elliptical machines that faces the windows. And I was looking out at the parking lot and I watched the people coming in for a workout before they headed home for the day. After a few minutes, a guy pulls up and he gets out of his car. He's a larger guy and it takes him some effort to get out of his small sedan. He's still in his office clothes, but I watch as he reaches into grab his gym bag and he puts it over his shoulder. Then he leans into the car one more time stopping to get something else. And he emerges with a cup that has a red spoon in it. Do you get what's happening? This man is just finishing his blizzard from Dairy Queen as he walks to the gym for his workout. He stands right outside the window in front of me and takes his final bites. I'm pretty sure it was cookie dough. He throws away the empty cup in the trash and walks in for his workout. He wanted to get in shape, but he didn't want to make any personal sacrifice. That's how many fans will try to follow Jesus. A fan will try and accept the invitation of Christ to follow, but they don't want to say no to themselves. I wonder how many came in here with a cup with a red spoon in it today. I wonder how many, we want the best of both worlds, don't we? 
He wanted to get in shape. The key phrase he said was, he wanted to get in shape, but he did not want to make any sacrifice. Just say this word with me today if you could. Slave. Can you say that word with me? Slave. Come on, shout it out nice and loud. Slave. You know that's what it literally means to deny yourself. It literally means to become a slave. To become a slave of Christ. I realize in our culture, I realize in our upbringing, in our lives, that's a hard word for a lot of people to get their head around. To become a slave, what me? I thought God called me to greatness. I thought God called me to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. To be a slave. Pastor Philip, I don't think you've got it right. In fact, that's an image that goes completely against what most of us have thought And most of us have come to the idea that in order for the greatest desire of our life to be accomplished, we could never be that. You know what the greatest desire of most of our lives is? To be happy. To be happy. If you were to get down to most people's lives, it would really fall right there. If I could just be happy in life, the quest for riches, fame, for all these things is what I want to find happy. If I could just get married, I would be happy. If I could just get that promotion, what do we hear? I would just be happy. So to talk about becoming a slave goes completely against the image of what we really think it means to be happy. Because after all, the pathway to happiness means I've got to be successful. The pathway to happiness means I've got to have a great job. I've got to be married. I've got to have kids. I've got to have a nice car. I've got to have a nice home, maybe a boat if I'm really blessed. I want to have all the luxuries of life. Why? Because all the things that we just mentioned equals having happiness in my life. Well, that's what we've told ourselves. That's what we have led ourselves to believe. In other words, here's what we've said. If my life is going to be a success, if I'm going to have happiness, then guess what? It comes by me going after every one of my dreams, every one of my desires, and every one of my hopes. So to talk about denying yourself brings all of that to a screeching halt. I mean, really, think about that. What? Because all of a sudden, what my whole life has been built on, maybe you're realizing today that the Word of God presents a different truth, a different way to listen to this, to true happiness. Because you see, I can have it my way, or I can have it His way. So many of us want the Burger King religion, you know, have it your way. We want that kind of religion where God says, you can have it your way if you want, but you're not going to like where it takes you. Because there is a way, the Bible says, Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is death. It's death. It's not good. Come on, say with me, it's not good. Death, the last time I checked, is not good. The Bible tells us there is a man who found himself in this kind of predicament. You know, I want to be successful. I want to be blessed. But yet I want God. I want all of life. What can I do? The Bible doesn't even give us his name. But the Bible just labels him by his accomplishments. And the Bible calls him a rich young ruler. Look what it says in Matthew 19 verse 16. Now behold, one came. He was the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus and he said to Jesus, Good teacher, what things shall I do that I may have eternal life? 
Notice what he's saying here is, I want eternal life. So what is it that I must do? Because obviously it's something that I must do. What is it that I must do to obtain it? Along with everything else I already have, because I'm rich and I've got this and I've got that, what can I do to have it? Where do I sign on the dotted line? This is the impression. This is the way, really, he's coming to Jesus. And he asks, what must I do? How can I work towards it, acquire it and earn it? And Jesus tells him some good stuff. Jesus presents the truth to him. Read it when you get home. Jesus says, you've got to do this, this, this. And he's going, check, done that, check, done that, check, done that. He's feeling good about himself. He's, he's ready to sign the line. He's ready to obtain that eternal life. And he asks Jesus this question in Matthew 9, verse 20 at the end. He says, but what still do I lack? But what is it that I lack? Here's what he's saying. Listen to me. He's saying, in everything that I have, the riches, the popularity, he still realizes that there's something that's missing. Notice that. He's missing something in his life. He says, what is it that I lack? And Jesus says, okay, if you really want to know, I'm really going to tell you. And Jesus tells him what the exact price is. Matthew 19, 21. Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, That word means complete. If you want to have completeness in your life, all those things won't bring true happiness. If you want to be completely happy, if you want completion in your life, what does Jesus say? Go sell everything that you have and give that to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. Can you see the man? He's like, hold on a second, Jesus. I I, I think I didn't hear you straight. Come on. Can you run that one back by me again? Because I'm sure you said that I need to give up everything that I have. I need to give it to other people that I don't really care for because they're lazy and they could have it if they would just work and they would just do something. But you want to take me to take all my hard earnings and just sell it all and give it to people who don't deserve it. Jesus, I think I got you wrong. Would you wrong? Would you run that by me? me again. And Jesus says, no, you heard me completely right. That day, that rich young ruler was faced with a very tough decision. A choice had to be made. Do I follow Jesus or do I keep all my stuff and lots of it? He couldn't do both. The reality is today we can't live for ourselves and for God. I want to say that one more time. We can't live for ourselves and for God. We try and we try to straddle the fence. And the last time I tried straddling the fence, it was pretty uncomfortable. Anyone know what I'm talking about? It wasn't an uncomfortable thing. It was okay till you hit the posts. Anyone know that when you go down a fence, there's some posts that are going to take you out along the way? You see, you can't straddle the fence. You've got to be one way or the other. He could choose to keep living how he was. And live for himself, or he could choose to accept the invitation and deny himself and become a slave of God. The sad thing about this this particular story is most people want to make this story all about money. But really, this story is not so much about money, but the key is about following God. 
It's about following God. And let's understand something here. I want you to understand something here. To follow God may require you to sell everything and to give up everything you have. It may do. It's not always the case. It's not across the board that in order to follow God, you've got to give up. But I, I, I just know by looking at some of you here, some of you thought, wow, that would be awful to do. But you know what? Devil, the devil took everything from you and left you so broken and destitute. But in that place, guess what? You found life. You found true happiness. Anyone with me? You thought happiness was in drugs and alcohol and all these things. You see, when we talk about getting rid of those things, we think that's so bad. But everyone has has been saved from that. We've been saved from that kind of state of brokenness and emptiness and despair. And from that place when we denied ourselves and came to the end of ourselves and there was nothing left, that's the place where we discovered true life in God. So it's not a case that you've got to be broke to follow God. That's not the message of the gospel. You can't have a nice car. You can't have a nice house. You you can't have all those things. But the message of the gospel is this. Is it those things that are becoming the Lord of your life? Or is he the Lord of your life? What is it that's the most important to you? What is it that gives you joy when you wake up in the morning? What is it that gives you peace throughout the day? What is it that you are trusting in? That's what Jesus was getting to, that you're placing all your trust and faith in things that are maybe great today, but they can go tomorrow. You can lose your job tomorrow. God forbid. You can wreck your car on the way home from church. God forbid. Your 501, whatever your investments, I mean, the stock market can crash and you can be in trouble. Come on, right now. What you think can be a nest egg for you can be taken out from you in a second. And God was just trying to identify with this young man, where is your life placed? You need to deny yourself. As I said earlier, the word slave is a common word that's used for a disciple in the word of God. It makes sense then to call him Lord. But here's one thing I've discovered is this. What is really our definition of Lord? When we say he's the Lord of our life, we've got to define that term. Because when we say he's Lord, I think most of us are saying Lord in the fact of equating his divinity, the fact that he's God. It's the greatness. It's a title to honor him. It's a respect that we give to him. It's a reverence of his greatness. When we say Lord, it's everything that he is, and that is so good. But if you would look in the New Testament, it's very interesting that the word that they use for Lord is not Yahweh. Yahweh was what they would use in the Old Testament. It defined the mighty God, the Lordship of Christ. In fact, in the Old Testament, that's why they would use terms like that, because they wouldn't even say Yahweh. It was such a holy word to say all of that, because it showed forth the greatness and the awesomeness of God. But in the New Testament, we see that the word used for Lord is curious, curious. And I know you're curious to know, never mind, what that word means. But that word literally means this, master. It means master. It means the owner of slaves. One who owns slaves. You see, here's what you've got to see. Okay, Pastor Philip, that's all well and good, but how does that equate to me? You've got to understand this. When we say the term Lord, it's not really so much about who he is. He's great and he's awesome and he's magnificent. 
But I really believe when we say the word Lord, it does not define him, but it defines me. It defines who I am. Let me say it this way. When I call him Lord Master, it defines the fact that, guess what? I'm his slave. I'm the one that comes under him. You need to catch this today. Listen to me. You cannot call Jesus Lord without declaring you his slave. You can't. Oh God, you're Lord in heaven. You're up above. Praise God. Old Testament, New Testament is your master and I'm the slave. You see, you've got to realize you're not saying he's the God, he's the teacher and I'm the student. But really what you're saying is he's the master and I'm his slave. And that's what it really means to deny yourself. But pastor, if I choose to live like that, if I give up my life, as you say, and, I, and surrender all those things, then I'm going to miss out on so much stuff. I want to tell you today, in fact, the opposite is true. And let me show you back to the rich young ruler. After Jesus tells him, sell everything. Look what he says in Matthew 19, verse 22. But when the young man, when the rich young ruler heard that saying, what saying? Give everything up and sell it. Come and follow me. He went away. Which way? Sorrowful. For he had many possessions. He went away sad Because he had great wealth. But I want you to understand something today. He wasn't sad because he was rich. He was sad because he chose to follow the wrong direction. Oh, I can have all this, but I'm telling you, he left sad. Why? Because he chose those things. And as a result, there was sadness that would come in his life. He, like many of us today, think to deny and surrender. All of this stuff is going to make us sad, but it's not the truth. It's only when we deny ourselves that we will truly discover the joy of following Christ. To deny is to say, God, everything that I am, all that I have is yours, God. Take it. Use it as you wish. Kelly and I have prayed this prayer and we've prayed it many times over our lives. We pray a prayer like this. God, our home is yours. Thank you for giving it to us, but we give it back to you. Use it for your glory. Thank God for our cars and everything you've blessed us with. Thank you, God, for our possessions, our children. Thank God for our little dog. Thank God for everything. But you know what, God? It's all yours. You know, if you would go in the office in our church here, there's a contract that we wrote on the wall that we've given this church back to God. It's his church. It's not our church. We gave it to him and say, God, you entrusted us, but God, it's yours. We give everything we have to you. Why? Because he's the master and it's our job to be the slave. It's our job to be the follower of him. And there's no exception clauses. Well, I'll follow you, Jesus, but I still want this and I want to be able to do that. No, God, my life is all yours. Use me as you see fit. That's a life that will never leave you sad. Oh, there's going to be some hard days. There's going to be some tough days. But there's going to be a joy that the Bible says it's unspeakable and it's full of glory. There's something, a peace inside of you that wants to live and rule and reign in every one of your lives. The greatest life you could ever live is through laying down your life, denying your life, surrendering it and giving it to God. A lot of you may say, well, I don't like him being my master. The Bible says there's only two masters you can serve. You either serve God 
or you serve Satan. And the last time I checked, Satan said, I want to kill, I want to steal, and I want to destroy. That's across the board. That's what he wants to do. Oh, no, he's my best friend. He'll help me. He wouldn't do that. Oh, yeah. That's what he'll make you believe. But the truth is a different story. Come on, the truth is a different story. You see, in laying down your life, you find life. In giving your life to Christ, you find great joy. So back to the invitation. What's the next part? It gets harder, trust me. The next part says this in Luke 9, verse 23. If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Do you know what the slogan for Christianity is? I mean, what should be the slogan for Christianity? I wrote down a few things. You know, if we were just to put a one-liner out there for Christianity, maybe it would sound like this, begin to live life. Christianity, begin to live life. What about this one? Christianity, life has never been better. What about this? Lifelong joy and happiness. The best is yet to come. I know every one of us could probably throw out many one-liners, great slogans of what Christianity is, and it's good stuff, and all of those are true to a certain extent. But here's the slogan of Christianity. Are you ready? Three words. Come and die. That's the slogan of Christianity. Come and die. Now, that would get people's attention. I said, that will get people's attention. Put that on the billboard outside. Come to our church and die. Post that on Facebook and see how many people are going to be pouring into the house. But when Jesus said, take up your cross daily, and the cross now being the symbol of Christian faith, Christianity, Christ, that was tough for them to grasp. When Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me, he wasn't talking about a beautiful cross on the shelf in your living room. Jesus wasn't talking about the lovely crosses that people now have in necklaces and they wear around their neck. That wasn't the cross. The cross he was talking about was the horror, the terror, the agony of what that depicted to those around. If you would look back in the days when Jesus lived, And the Romans came into rule. They strategically would line up at the busiest intersections, crosses. So at the busiest intersection, they would line the roads on each side with crosses. Sometimes they tell us from history, crucifying literally hundreds of people at a time. And not just people, husbands, wives, families would be literally crucified. And why would they do it in a major intersection? They did it for this reason, as a constant reminder to those who would travel what would happen if you dared to rebel, if you dared to disagree with in any shape or form with their rule, if you don't want to pay their taxes, if you don't want to come under their authority, this is reserved for you. So when Jesus told his disciples of that day to take up their cross and follow him, that was offensive to them. That was repulsive to them. But it was still the symbol that he chose to use. You see, the cross represents three things. Here's the three things the cross represents. Number one, it's a symbol of humility. 
humility. There was nothing more that a person could come under. There was nothing more humiliating than what? As being crucified, stripped naked and displayed for all to see. The open humiliation that would come. That they would mock you, that they would spit on you. That they would laugh, they would make fun of. But yet Jesus said, take up your cross. So what was he saying is it's a humbling factor of our lives. It's something that needs to humble us. To humbly take up a cross means to make ourselves of nothing. What's the second symbol we see of the cross? It's a symbol of suffering. Before they were crucified, they would be beaten almost to the edge of death. And then a large beam of probably over a hundred pounds was placed upon their shoulders and they had to carry that to the place where they were to be crucified. You see, when Jesus said to take up your cross, it wasn't only you need to be humbled. Jesus said there's going to be some suffering. You see, you cannot carry a cross without suffering. You cannot carry a cross without suffering. Take up your cross and follow Jesus can bring great pain and suffering because there's no comfortable way to carry a cross. Two weeks ago, I asked this question, what's the last time or when's the last time following Jesus cost you something? When's the last time following Jesus cost you something? Cost you a friendship? cost you a relationship, maybe a promotion, maybe inconvenienced your life. Maybe you had to go without a meal. You had to go without something. Why? Because God laid it upon your heart to give everything that you had to touch. I mean, when is the last time it really cost you something? The next symbol and the last symbol of the cross is the symbol of death. It's a symbol of death. As they were nailed to the cross through their feet and hands, what they would do is they would stretch them in such a way that in order to breathe, they would have to push up on their legs. So most of the time, they would come and break the legs of the people that they could no longer push up to get the next breath. So they would literally die because of suffocation, a fluid in their lungs that they could not breathe and they would suffocate to death. But when they came to break the legs of Jesus, they realized he was already dead. Why? Because man didn't take his life. He laid down his life. So what did they do? They stuck a spear. They would stick a spear in the side of the individual to see if they were really dead or not. What a horrific death it was. The agony and the pain. There was nothing greater than that. But yet that was the symbol that Jesus chose to use. That was the symbol he chose to die upon. The invitation is for us to take up our cross daily, for us to die die to our own desires, to die to our own pursuits, our dreams, our plans, to be the end of us. Wow, Pastor, you know what? That message is last month on expectancy were a whole lot better than this. Can we just go back to that? I like that he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly above and beyond. You know what? We do all like that better. We do like that better. Because it's tough to deny. It's tough to take up your cross. But as a pastor, I believe I would do you all an injustice 
if I fail to present to you the truth of the gospel. The Bible says it's the truth that you know that will set you free. It's the truth of God that you need to know that's going to set you free. All this, come to Christ and live whichever way you want. We've already discovered that the Bible says on that day, people are going to stand before Him and say, Lord, Lord. Why? Because Lord, Lord to them was Yahweh, Yahweh. You're God, you're Creator. But you know what? When I stand before Him and say, Lord, Lord, yes, you are God. Yes, you are Almighty. But God, I am your slave because you are my master. I realize unfortunately today that there are few people and few churches that have decided to preach a message like this because it's too uncomfortable. The cross is too offensive. And as a result, there are many fans that call themselves followers, but they are not carrying their cross. Look at this statement. You cannot follow him unless you accept his invitation. All of it. Thank God for salvation. But there first has to be surrender. Thank God for forgiveness. But there first has to be repentance. Thank God for life. The life that he wants to give. The abundance of life as John 10.10 tells us. The life he came to give. But in order for there to be life, there first has to be a dying. Daily dying to His will, to His plan, and to His purpose. The greatest place you and I could ever live. Remember the scripture we talked about, Luke 9, 23, the invitation? But let's look at the last verse or the next verse after that. Luke 9, 24. For whoever desires to save his life will what? Lose it. Here's the truth of God's word. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it, will find it. If I want happiness, then I've got to pursue my dreams and my goals and what I want. God says, if you want to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you want to lose your life, if you want to deny yourself, come after God. Pick up your cross daily and follow Him. What do we find? We're going to find life. You see, it's only through dying. It's only through giving. It's only through denying ourselves that we will then find life. And when we finally let go of our lives, we will really find true life in Christ. Those of you who have experienced this know what I'm saying to be true. But for most fans, a lot of this doesn't make sense. And that's why Paul writes scriptures like this in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. One version says the message of the cross does not make sense. Think about it. It doesn't make sense that in order to have, I give. It doesn't make sense in order to live, I die. It doesn't make sense to think if I want happiness, I've got to surrender everything that I have told myself is what happiness or which will bring happiness to my life. 
Dying to yourself does not make sense for the fan. But the follower understands that dying is the secret to really living. It's not an offensive life. It's not a torturous life to take up your cross and follow Jesus. It's not making a decision for the rest of your life to be totally miserable and live like that every day. But it's a decision that will release your life into the greatest life that you could ever live. To the greatest happiness that you'll ever experience. To the greatest peace that you have ever known. You see, to give up our lives gives us the life that we so desperately wanted all along. That's my message summed up in one statement right there. The denying of ourselves, the taking up our cross daily, gives us the life that we have longed for and searched in everything else, but only found greater emptiness and despair. John 3.16 the one that's held up at all the ball games. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That was the price. And that was the offer for every one of us. But then the invitation, Luke nine twenty three, has been made. If you want the love of that God, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross and follow me daily. A decision is required. A decision is required. What will be your decision today? What will be your decision today? You can, make, you can go life your way. And it's probably not going to be long. You're going to be calling up and saying, I need to talk to pastor because things are falling apart. Or you can choose today to deny yourself. Give everything to God. To die to yourself. And take up your cross. And follow Jesus daily. What's your decision today? Would you stand with me today? Would you stand with me today? Again, I understand this is not an easy message, but it's the gospel. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. You may be saying, man, I came here for a feel-good message. You know what? This is one of the greatest feel-good messages that you could ever experience if you'll accept it. You see, to deny it and not accept it is you're going to leave here saying, man, I can't believe they would say something like that. Well, I knew Christianity was boring. I knew that was not the life for me. No, no, no. You've heard me wrong today because through laying down your life, you're going to truly discover peace like you've never known before. You're going to discover a future that you thought had been taken from you as all hope was gone. Are you a fan? Or are you a follower? Are you just cheering on God and, yeah, yeah, God, you're great. But ready to jump ship when everything goes south in a real hurry. Or you're a follower that says, God, no matter what. Hasenia sang this morning, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. No turning back. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. 
but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.